Welcome to About Faith with Alec Klein. I'm honored to be your host of this weekly half-hour program airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. Today, we're with Travis Burns. Travis, well, how do I describe him? He's a, a family man. He's highly successful in business. He's a pillar of the community. Uh, he also happens to have two adorable dogs, if uh, you don't mind my saying, uh, Rufus and Boomer. Uh, love those dogs. But the last thing you'd expect is Travis has actually been through tremendous pain. He's been down and out. There was a time you might even wonder whether he'd make it. But, but here he is. So let's hear from Travis himself. Uh, Travis, please start from the beginning, wherever that is. Uh, the beginning, that's a, an interesting place to try and pinpoint. Um, so, you know, I would say that interestingly enough, you know, I grew up in what I would consider a typical family, though I don't know if it's atypical or not anymore. But, um, you know, I had you know, mom and dad divorced when I was, was younger, dad was an alcoholic. Um, you know, so w- what we, we like to not maybe think is, as you know, the, the typical American family, but I mean, I, I saw a lot of divorce and that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. in, in my age back then. So I think it's more typical for people, you know, now, um, but was raised in church and was around faith and, um, you know, was, was, Saved at a young age, baptized at a young age, that kind of you know that thing that, that that many of us you know do maybe not even really realizing those those decisions and but I growing up in that in that family environment um, I, I strayed away um, from God and and then really you know as I um, as I got into you know high school and, and really just kind of turned my back on on my faith and and then. As I started to uh, mature, I I think I blamed God for a lot of things in my life, um, including um, my my family, uh, that dynamic, um, for some some sexual abuse that I realized later through some some counseling, and uh, and what happened was I turned to other things to fill that void. Um, I only know this in retrospect. Obviously, at the time, I didn't realize that that, that was what was happening. But um, I, you know, went to graduated from high school and, and you know, went to college um, on a full ride scholarship, and um, I binge drank, um, like like many others did. And um, but it wasn't until uh, my I don't know, like sophomore year of college. Uh, that I or I hurt my back um, working on a homecoming float, and was um, prescribed some uh, opiates uh, to compensate for that, and it was like a switch was flipped, um, and I knew that the feeling of not feeling um, was something that was very attractive, and it helped yeah. cover cover a lot of these things that I was already compensating for. I didn't really realize. And so over the course of the next few years, um, I became an opiate addict, which is, you know, an epidemic in this country. And, and 
again, nobody, you remember the old commercials, you know, that nobody wants to be a junkie when they grow up. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I went from a, uh, a recreational user to a highly functioning, to a really non-functioning heroin junkie in the course of about seven years, six years, um, maybe less. I think about the, the timeline. Um, but I, you know, began using, you know, over the, you know, say over the prescribed opioids and then abusing those. And then, um, you know, while I graduated college, um, while I held down very you know, professional jobs and, you know, graduated again, if you will, um, to, um, to intravenous, you know, drug use, in, including, you know, heroin. And um, it, it took everything from me a few times. Um, Let me stop you there for a second, Travis. I mean, what is that leap like from opioids to heroin? I mean, that seems like a, a journey right there. Well, I'll tell you, it's like it's like falling in love. It happens slowly and all at once. Mm. Um, it's a uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, people. I talk a lot about this with with addicts. You know, when you see someone, you know, in a rehab or on the street or in a commercial or whatever, you see their the the destination that you've met them at. You've not seen the journey, and that journey, typically, you know, that person is someone's son or daughter, mm. your brother, your sister. They could be your lawyer. Um, they could be. I mean, this is not something that you'd be very shocked um, when you when you talk about the stories of these people, myself included, college edu- educated professional um, that right. found himself, you know, homeless and staring at you know prison time, you know, and and so when you, it's very easy, I think, when someone like that is at arm's length, yeah, to say. Um, you know, oh, you know that that drug addict. But when you when you put your arms around them, <laughs> um, mm. you, you tend to find out that these people, you know, that that you are. I, I would say this in in a class that I taught. You're a few bad choices away from being that person. Right. And you know, you, you pray that you know you don't make them. And many people would never even consider those those you know those bad choices. But but yeah. these people, you know, I, I knew. Again, I, I knew a lawyer. That was in similar positions. That you know, an upstanding lawyer, people that have been CEOs, and you know, people with you know, job titles and status, and you know, all of these things that I think we put on a pedestal higher than yeah. myself and others that found themselves in the same shoes. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, you, I I think you find very, you know, when you bring up addiction, you know, you it's also been shocking to me through this kind of journey how many people are touched by addiction. So it, it is an uncle. Yeah. Or, or a niece or a nephew or someone that when you share your story, you find out that so many people are, you know, just a, a few steps away from someone that they know that they never would have expected. And so, you know, for me, that journey would be like, well, how, you know, it's not a big leap at all. Um, right. You know, it, it starts with, you know, over the counter, you know, or say over the counter, he's saying that with prescription opioids. And right. then it, it, you know you you take two and then it's four and then it's six and then it's eight and then you're snorting pills and then you're injecting stuff. It's a very quick progression that no one really plans on on taking, but it, it's really not that big a leap. Well, where did this lead you, Travis? When you started down this road and you found yourself actually injecting uh, drugs, I mean, wh- where were you? What was happening to you at this time? You know, I would I would have these moments. And I would call them, if, if my mom could see me now kind of moments, I, I would have these brief, brief moments of 
clarity where I would see myself in a situation and be like, where am I? Mm. You know, in a in a hotel room with prostitutes and drug dealers shooting up in the bathroom, um, you know, because I had just, you know, you know, scored my fix for the day, you know, homeless, essentially, you know, surfing couches um, mm. with with pending charges um, and or warrants out for my arrest, you know, kind of inevitably knowing that that was the destination, that that would be the final destination point if I was lucky, if, if, if not being dead. Um, you know, Wait a second. Are you saying that there were pending – what kind of charges are we talking about here? Uh, drug charges? or? So I was facing um, I was facing larceny charges, drug charges. There were talks of uh, federal indictments um, for, for conspiracy and others. Um, mm-hmm. So – uh, I was – I had a myriad of, of options <laughs> under <laughs> uh, under the legal umbrella that uh, – and, and, you know, I, I was I was known amongst – you know, I had some run-ins with Homeland Security, with, um, again, you know, federal and, and state and local law. Um, I was – you know, my name was kind of floating around for, for multiple things, and – because of those circles that you ran in and, and, you know, conspiracy is a pretty easy thing to prove. Um, Easy charges to kind of float. And, you know, when you're, when you're buying and selling drugs with Mexican cartel members and, you know, or, and or exchanging goods, it becomes very easy for you to be, you know, to look at racketeering charges and other kind of things. And so Travis, this sounds like serious. This is serious business. It it was serious stuff. Um, I I was pulled into a, a few federal grand jury, um, indictments and, and, and other things. And, um, yeah, this was not, uh, I'm going to get a slap on the wrist. Like, right. you know, I, I was looking at, you know, possible federal crime or federal time and, and, and state time. I, I ended, um, when we get to that piece, you know, it, it's funny though, is that the, the time that I did end up signing for is what saved my life <laughs> to be real honest. So <laughs> well, we definitely need to hear about that, but, uh, Please. So, so you're 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 really uh, in a spiral, if you will. Uh, it sounds like. Uh, and how in the world did you begin to get yourself out of this? Well, so through you know going back and forth, kind of through all of this, um, I would tell you a, a, a few things, and, and kind of where God kind of steps in, and I, I would have brief moments. Again, we, I talked to us kind of where, where your mom would see you now. And I would also have moments where the Holy Spirit would still speak to me. And, and it, it's funny to kind of bring that up because I, I remember one time um, being very angry. And, you know, people talk about how how God speaks to them and whether it's audible or whether it's a feeling. And, and I would, you know, I've, I've had both in my life. But I, I remember one um, specifically about forgiveness and how if you know if, if you would if you would just forgive and, and live you know come back to God that you would be in a better place and I should, no no thank you it's like I, I don't want anything to do with it. Well, let me ask you there though, Travis. Forgive who? Forgive yourself? Forgives others? For, for, forgive you know it's kind of an all encompassing thing. Yeah. Um, for, forgive you know forgive my father um, for who you know like I said it was an alcoholic that I carried quite a bit of hate for. Um, forgiving myself you know, kind of all encompassing there. And, and I'd be like, no, 
I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with you, with, with God, with, with, with what that entails. I'll do this on my own. And the real kind of breakthrough moment, and I guess I'll get to that is, is so I, I, I ran and ran and, and um, I finally got um, pulled in on a, um, on a larceny charge, on a felony larceny charge. And um, I, I could have, you know, all intents and purposes, I should have got offered a deferred or suspended sentence. And yeah. the, my my uh, public defender was like, I don't know what you did or what all they have on you, but they will not offer you that. They're going to offer you drug court or nothing at all. And apparently there are other pending charges that may be coming. And so I, I knew, again, I knew about the federal stuff and others. And so so I took, you know, I, I took drug court as an option that I thought would postpone it a little bit longer. Well, can I stop you there again? Uh, yeah. I, but what might I ask was the uh, specifics of the details, if you will, of the larceny charge? I mean, what were they saying you had done in particular? Um, I had, I mean, they weren't saying it that I had, I'd been doing, this one was for, um, for theft mm. from, from a retailer. I can't remember if this one was specifically Lowe's or Home Depot, but I mean, I had done it. There was, I mean, they had video, and they had also had quite a bit of video of theft from, from, you know, electronic retailer, Best Buy, if you will, a lot. Okay. They couldn't prove that one was me, but they knew that it was. I knew that it was. And so, um, but they had other, you know, they were working on the the federal charges and they were working on some, some conspiracy charges and other stuff. And so they had, I mean, again, there was, there was no, I had a reputation. Yeah. Um, they knew that, that I, you know, that I had I been stealing things, working with others to steal things. I mean, and it was, it was going to be much bigger at that point. And so I think, you know, me knowing it, I, I, I just was like, well, okay, it wasn't a shock. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to take, you know, so we have um, the drug court option, which was going to get me out of jail. I mean, I'd been in and out of jail, you know, I'd get out for a while and go back and more charges would kind of be pending. And then I'd get out on bail and I'd go, you know, whatever. And, um, and so this kind of extended that. And I just kind of thought, I'm going to get federal charges. I'm going to get more of this stuff anyway. So this will keep me out of jail for a little bit longer anyways. And I'll continue. You know, and so um, so I took that and, and I got out of jail. And um, I would tell you that I didn't – and this goes for a lot of addicts. I didn't like the life. I did not enjoy the lifestyle of the life that I was living any longer. And I genuinely did want to get sober. There was just no way for me to do do it. Um, I didn't have insurance. There was no fancy rehab that I was going to be able to go to. Detox and withdrawal from heroin is so bad that I've never done it anywhere but in jail. Yeah. And so, and so you know, I, I did not enjoy this lifestyle any longer, but I didn't really know any other way to live um, right. or, or, or how, to, how to get there. And so I start the drug court process, and I go through it. And, again, I never got sober um, you know, and so I, I started failing some drug tests, and I knew, I, I, I know, you know, I did this kind of intentionally. I, I know this is where this is headed, and so I, I, uh, I go in, and, and they arraign me, and you know, they're, they, they're, they're not arraignment. They just they bring me in, and they they handcuff me and take me back to jail, and so I go to jail, and I, I go through a, I go through an intense detox in jail. Wow. I can't even imagine what that would have been like. It was about 21 days of not eating and, and you know, the worst kind of flu you would have coupled with a lot of other things. And so all this stuff to say that um, I was in jail and I remember being in a jail cell and, and being sick and, and all of these things. And 
and God again coming to me, and I had spoken to or heard from God in quite a while, and it was like the same thing. You know, if if you would just do this, um, if you would just submit to to my will, you would be blessed. And I can tell you, I remember it vividly. All I did was just raise my middle finger to the air, <laughs> like like I was like 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 you know like you know to, to God like like that you know like you know like I, I'm I don't know it was just I, I distinctly remembered it and I cried and I and I like I, I you know kind of wailed in a way that I hadn't in a long time um, and I said okay and I and I said I, I I'm I've been running from you for so long. And I'm not the kind of guy to make a deal with God in jail. There are a lot of people that do that, and it feels disingenuous. But I said, if, if that's what you want, um, give me the opportunity. And because I was – so I, I, I need to backtrack here a little bit. I was in jail because they wanted to screen me for some rehabs. That was the next step before they could really throw the, you know, put me in prison was right. it? well, we've got to give you this kind of option. And so – they brought me back in for the screening piece, and they said, okay, um, to do this, you know, you've got to go to a 28-day rehab, or essentially you could, you could kind of say, yeah, I'd like to just take my time in prison, which they don't really – they kind of frown upon once they're kind of invested in you a little bit in drug court. And so I said, you know, I, guys, I think I need a little bit more than 28 days <laughs> um, if we're going to be honest here. And they said, okay. And And – and they said, well, we have this option. Um, it's the Salvation Army. It's a six-month program, but we want to warn you it's faith-based. Um, and it's live-in and it's all of these things. And I said, all right, well, let's, you know, okay. And so then I have this conversation with God. <laughs> and, <laughs> it was, and it was the next day that they, they called me out of my cell in the morning. They said, get your stuff. And I was like, for what? <laughs> and I was like, well, you're you've been screened and cleared to go to the Salvation Army. And so, you know, you need to report there today by noon. And again, you know, I, I don't think that, that we, I don't think that, I don't think that we serve a God sometimes that, that you can bargain with necessarily. And I, I don't want people to think that that's the case, but you know, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think that that was coincidence or serendipity either. Which part, the, which part the, being coincidence, not being coincidence or serendipity, that that you were going into the Salvation Army. Yeah, the the part that yeah. I, I said that you know God, okay, I'm gonna uh, if you show me something, I'll do this. And the next day mm-hmm. I said, hey, here's a faith based rehab that you can go yeah. to <laughs> for <laughs> salvation. That, yeah, that 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 is you know that that you live in for six months when you know you're you're homeless at this point and you know all of these things. And so I said, all right, well, shoot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't expect this this quick, and so I guess that you know. So, I mean, that Wednesday, so I start, and I'm not really sure what to expect. And, and that Wednesday, we had they have chapel, and I was like, you know, they, they had an altar call, and so I I, I took it, <laughs> and I went and met with, went with met with the chaplain afterwards, and I kind of explained what had happened, and he was like, well, you're kind of at a crossroads. It seems like you seems like God held up his end of the bargain, <laughs> and so what are you going to do? Yeah, and it was at that point that I decided that I was going to quit blaming, you know, my circumstances on situations outside of my control and others, and that I was going to work on that forgiveness. Um, God, I'm getting a little emotional. <laughs> um, well, it's an incredible story. Because 
God had forgiven me. Yeah. And and uh over the next over the course over the course of the next, you know, six months in that program, God restored my family. Mm. <laughs> um I get it together here. No, it's I'm 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 emotional myself as you're saying it, so I, I'm with you. It was okay. It was that small step of faith that that God used. Here, I'll, t- I'll drink some water real quick. Please, yeah, I I'm, I think I could use that as well. <laughs> you need to edit that out there. No, no, please, just keep going because it's it's beautiful. It was that small step of faith that God used to work miracles. And if you don't think that God does miracles anymore, your definitions are just wrong. I will tell you that it was a miracle that I'm not dead or in prison. It's a miracle um, that God worked with my family. Every day that I'm here is a miracle. And God did all of that based off of a mustard seed of faith of me saying, okay, if this is where you want me, I'm going to put in the work. Now, again, God also tells us, you know, that we reap, you know, we harvest what we sow. You still have to sow, yeah. right? So this was not something that came without effort on my end. You know, um, faith is not passive, I don't believe. You know, that, that yeah. you know, you still have to do the work. And so I still had to do the work, um, but, but God, you know, put the light in front of my feet. I just had to take steps. Yeah. And so, you know, over the course of the next six months, um, you know, I got sober. Um, my my family, you know, that it healthily disowned me, done it the right way. I mean, you know, um, they they restored. You know, that that relationship was restored, and and so I graduate the program, and I, I stay decide to stay on for three more months of aftercare. But you have to get a job. I have a college degree. Um, I have management experience of all these things, but uh, but I knew kind of the the position that I was in. And so I, I was very humble um, to, to say, you know, I'm going to do, you know, whatever. I'm going to, if I need to, you know, make pizza at, at the Domino's downtown, that's what I'll do. This is you know, downtown Tulsa, and so I, I had no car, so I've got to walk, walk to work here. But whatever it is, I've got to do. I'm going to do it um, because I'm not proud, and and I know God's going to bless me. And if I'm going to sweep, I'm going to be the best, you know, sweeper. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. And so. I walked downtown and walked around downtown. Was was getting resume, or you know, excuse me, I had a resume. But was getting applications at places and looked fast food and this kind of stuff. And, and I, I I decided to take the tunnels. There's some downtown tunnels in Tulsa, and um, I decided to to take those um, just for fun. I hadn't done it in a while. And it it, it kind of takes you out right there, right in front of the Hyatt Regency Tulsa. Mm. And so I took those and I, I step outside and clear as day. The Holy Spirit that you need to go in there and get an application, hmm. and this was about noon. And I remember specifically out loud saying, "I'm going to miss lunch." <laughs> I was like, ah. and so I find the time. So I, I go into the high regency and I, I go to get an application, and they say, "Okay, well, you know, our HR person is actually here, and she has multiple properties, and so, you know, do you, um, do you want to fill that out here because you could talk to her?" I said, "Okay, yeah, sounds great." So, so that's what I'll do. Um, and so I, I filled it out, and um, I, I went in and, and took it to her, and, and she meets with me. And, and mind you, I've got, like, shorts and, like, a polo on at this point. I did not <laughs> intend, to, intend to, to interview with someone. 
And right. so she's looking at, she's looking at my resume. She sees management experience, and she sees this and that. And, and she says, you know, okay, this is, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, you know, I would, I would, uh, you know, I'll clean rooms. I'll, I'll do this. <laughs> I do do maintenance. You know, whatever. And she said, well, you know, we we have this. Well, before that, excuse me. She she said. Okay, and, and she said, "Well, you've got management experience, you've got a college degree, and and again, Holy Spirit was like, just tell her." And I said, "Well, man, let, let me, uh, you know, I, I'm a recovering addict, and I just graduated from the Salvation Army Adult Rehabilitation Program. It's a six month program, and I worked. I've done this, this, and this, and um, you know, that's why there's this hole in my resume, and I want to be, you know, transparent about that because you know that's why I'm in this. You know, and just very honest. She goes, okay." And she said, "Well, this 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 hotel is owned by George Kaiser. He works with women in recovery, and so we we hire people in that similar situation all the time. So not a big deal." Wonderful. And I was like floored. She's like, "Wow!" And it was it was again it was you know Holy Spirit just saying you know look you can be honest about who you are. Um, yeah. And so she's like, you know, we've got this catering and sales position available. It's an hourly position. I think you're technically overqualified, but we need to fill it. Would you be interested? I said, sure. She said, could you, could you interview with our director of sales and director of catering right now? I was like, I guess. You know, yeah, shorts <laughs> and a polo here. <laughs> so so I, I, I interviewed with them, and, and they're like, we think you could be a great fit for this. And, you know, could you, could you come back and interview with our general manager? I said, yeah. And they said, well, you know, we wear a suit and tie every day. Did you have a suit and tie? And I said, actually, yeah, because we had to wear one to chapel every Sunday at the Salvation Army. I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and, and so so I come back to that interview, and it goes really well. And they said, you know, we'd like to let you know something soon. We think you're a good fit. And so, um, think, you know, so I waited. And a couple of days go by, and I don't hear anything. A couple more days go by, and I don't hear anything. And, you know, they say, you know, God is in the waiting. And... It's funny how sometimes sometimes God doesn't change the situation. God changes you in the situation. Yeah. And so my prayers were, Lord, I've done everything that you've asked and, and you know, can you give me this? Right? Like can you you know, can you give me this job and you know, I I've been faithful and I've I've been working my program, doing all these things and over the course of those days my prayers changed from can you give me this to why won't you give me this to what do I need to learn from this? Mm. And it and it was all right, God, if I need – if the, the lesson here is that I can be who I am, who you've made me, and that I have a testimony to give, and I can be honest about that with others, and and that I'm still worthy, and so all these things, then I got it. I got yeah. the lesson, and, and, and I'll take it, and, and thank you for that. And I got a call the next day. Wow. And they said, hey, we had to run this through HR because of these pending charges and the stuff with drug court or whatever, but um, it just took a little longer than we thought. And they said, you know, so did they talk to you about pay? And I said, yeah. You know, I, I thought it was going to be even $10 an hour. And very excited about it. She's like, oh, well, no, that's not what's on this sheet. And I said, well, what's on the sheet? And she said, well, it's $14 an hour. <laughs> Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> much more than I, you know, much more than I expected. And, and so, you know, um, so I, I got the job, you know, at, at, at into this hotel, and I worked there for for two and a half years, and and that job is what led me into this career. And I went from you know fourteen dollars an hour to being the sales manager at a Marriott to an area director of sales 
and then a district director of sales, a regional director of sales. I'm now, um, I'm actually now um, a director of a portfolio director of operations with North America's largest management company. I have 49 hotels and over $300 million in equity that I manage. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> and that's happened over the course of the last seven years. That's, that's amazing. Travis, this is a, a beautiful story. Unfortunately, we're actually out of time. I wish we could talk all day about this because uh, I, it's so inspiring to hear your story. It's, a, it's an incredible story. And I, I frankly think it's uh, an encouragement to all of us uh, to hear your testimony, your story, where you've come from and where you are today. So I just want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for, for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate it. Um, I would end with this, though. I would just say, if you're not familiar um, with the Salvation Army and the work that it does um, with the Adult Rehabilitation Program, take some time to do some research. Um, I wouldn't be here without them. Thanks for listening to About Faith with Alec Klein. Please stay tuned for our next episode airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. I'd love to hear from listeners. Please reach out to me through my website, alekklein.net. That's A-L-E-C-K-L-E-I-N dot net. Until next time, have a great week.